ASI. My name is Russ Shaw. This is Season 6, Episode 21. Many times I've tried to tell you, many times I've cried alone. Always I'm surprised how well you cut my feelings to the bone. And welcome, listeners, to the ASI podcast. It's been a while, right? It's February, putting up my first solo show here in February. I like to wait, you know, until all the kind of behavior mod resolutions kind of work out their reality, right? <laughs> they work out their truth in in the world. That's something I feel I've neglected here in season six is remembering and stirring meaning around the passage of time, right? Because I think a lot of this kind of making New Year's resolutions and behavior modification stuff, uh, it can have a shelf life, right? It can have an expiration date. Kind of like that thing in the back of your fridge that went bad, right? You look at the expiration date and it's passed and you think, should I risk it, right? (laughs) Do I eat this? Uh, There's a good metaphor there, you know, because some of the stuff we just keep recycling over and over and we think we're going to get different results and time passes and we're left with what is. Don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but titling this sex, love, and belonging story, um, right? It's not that it's bad, good. The time passes and, and you're left with this. This is what's happened now that the expiration date, right? The milk might be kind of clumpy and smell bad. Um, <laughs> that's what, that's one of the things that may play out. And listen, I'll point at the, uh, the other side of the pendulum too, right? Like maybe you're crushing it. Maybe you've got through January, you're headed into February, you got some good confidence going. Uh, that's awesome. Good for you, man. Um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to poo-poo that. Because from where I'm at, or from where I sit here behind the ASI mic in my basement studio, I value a good story, all right? Uh, a, a, a story that that is rich with meaning one that piques the interest enough to awaken from the mundane. Uh, there's romance or something going on um, on a living story-based kind of reality rather than a checking boxes or moving calendar values. Circumstances can do that, right? They give the movement of the calendar meaning and story and what's going to happen. What's going to happen moving forward? That's me uh, asking you, the listener, from here on out, goals or success or whatever. I like to I like to approach uh, the world from that angle. But hey, it's great to uh, hang out with you. What have I been up to? Uh, had some goals, had some hiccups, right? Had life events that didn't go as planned, but still working to see how the story unfolds rather than trying to force my way via goal setting in this kind of robotic heartless, <laughs> I don't know, moving forward, right? Accomplish your goals. Get up. No excuses. Um, that stuff works for some people. All right. Uh, that's what I want to kind of focus in on today. Uh, the sex and love story part of it anyway. Um, this is... Uh, I'm sort of a I'm sort of a artist thinker, right? Like I, I think more like an artist than an engineer. So I want I'm not like everyone, right? That's one of the things people listen to the show and they're like, "Oh, this guy, you know, he knows he's sitting on some throne of 
I don't know, authority or something like that. I, I don't know your story, and that's really important. Um, and, and I don't value so much the... And part of this is time because I've really tried <laughs> the kind of um, setting a date and, you know, no jerk off November or something like that. Like no fap I'll do. Um, and again, listen, I'm not shitting on that. All right. But there's also something I've seen over the years and even in my own story where you do feel like you're accomplishing kind of goals, right? And your sex life or your body is doing things the way you think it should on some level of productivity or relational uh, peace and harmony that you're trying to keep going on. That self-image that says, I'm doing all this the way it should and ought to be. People are, you know, accepting me. And the dissonance around that acceptance can get diluted. As long as I stay pure, to use that word, or you know, totally sexually repress myself. See, there's life in our sexuality. Um, the storytelling, comedy, and tragedy. <laughs> I'm going to put more comedy in this this here episode. Which, speaking of solving that dissonance, reminded me of a, a, a funny quote from, I thought, uh, Gene Simmons, the lead singer of Kiss. He said the book should have been called, Women Are From Mars and Men Have a Penis. See, that that's funny because there's truth in it. It's, it's complicated, right? The sex drive. And when we neglect our sexuality as a part of our wholeness, of our being, there's something else. If there's something neglected like deep in here in your heart and your soul, there's uh, bad stuff can come out of that. Um, this show, I am more concerned with your well-being than your sobriety. All right. I'm, I'm more concerned with your soul than I am your ability to accomplish those kind of behavior mod goals. All right. I, a good example of this is I saw a movie at my friend's birthday party. Derek, he's been on the show and uh, it was his birthday. We went over to his house and had some really good food and we all hung out as friends and some of the wives came over and we watched that classic comedy from the early 2000s dodgeball and yes because Derek is 36 it was one of the movies from his youth and that movie is now like 14 years old and I think that's what's cool about seeing it again I've seen it before but seeing it from a different perspective Derek has seen it before right <laughs> owned the DVD um, the same story as we get older and none of us really know whether our lives are going to be a comedy or a tragedy, I guess, right? We could do the best we can to try and control the joystick to go in the direction we want to. Um, the way we process faith and whether there's a God or not, right? Uh, as a believer myself, I see that as part of my story where, you know, the cross may look like a tragedy to some, uh, not a tragedy, right? And people, our, our, our story as it moves forward, there's faith involved. Um, from a life perspective, movies in our lives, they're both stories. Everyone is living a story. That's part of my point. So I wanted to talk about this movie a little bit because... Maybe that's one of the interesting things that makes a good comedy. You know, you got this mix of uh, humble versus humiliation. You know, you got uh, pride and ego and the story that unfolds. <laughs> what makes it funny? And I don't care who you are. That movie is just funny. You have the the villain character played by Ben Stiller, who is this boss, right? Who runs this um, gym, right? So you have you have Ben Stiller's character, and then you have Vince Vaughn's character, who runs the average Joe gym, right? 
the average Joe Jim is not doing so well financially. You know, they're not having as many. You know, they're not drawing the crowd that Ben Stiller's gym is like World Mo or something like that, right? He's got this big corporate thing and he wants to buy Vince Vaughn's gym. So the guys at Average Joe come up with this idea to enter a dodgeball contest, right, or championship, and the winning, the winning take is fifty thousand dollars, which is the back payment on the Average Joe gym, which would get him out of debt, so he won't be taken over by Ben Stiller's character, the villain, at World Mo Gym, right? However, the circumstances that be. Conflict arises when uh, Ben Stiller's character gets a hold of this, right? And so they go head-to-head in this this dodgeball championship. That's what the movie's about, is him trying to save his gym from this big corporate entity that's that's working to take it over. I don't know, Russ. Sounds kind of triggery. There's, it's about a gym. There's got to be sex. There's got to be some sexual tempting imagery involved. Um, is it as triggery as going to the gym in and of itself? <laughs> that's, a, that's a question to ask yourself. Um, if you value purity, uh, whatever that means, from behind your eyes. But I don't know if my purity coach or my accountability partner would uh, agree, you know. Um, it's good storytelling, all right? Is there some sexuality in it? Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's rated PG-13, though, okay? So, yeah, it's about as sexually explicit as uh, you going to the gym <laughs> That's or, or showing up at a bikini car wash. There's that scene in the movie. Um, but it's also kind of has my point being made in some of that sexual imagery in the gym. Reminds me of these lyrics uh, by this band called The Darkness. I forget the name of the song now, but the lyrics are, are stuck with me. They said, uh, I don't care if you're strikingly beautiful. That's just genetics and youth, right? <laughs> Something like that. I don't think those are the lines. Um, that's just looks, youth and good looks. But that's this funny, kind of catchy attitude that you get in some of those bigger gyms, right? That you could look like that if you work hard enough and if you join our thing for 1995 and sign the year-long contract, your body could look like this. But in reality... Are those girls there because they work out and they've worked hard to get that body? Or is it because they're 18 and, you know, they just come from a good line of genetics, <laughs> right? My point is that it's easier to sell that, isn't it, in the world? The World Mo Gym or Average Joe's, where where do you want to go work out, right? Um, my friend John was... was telling me about that's a hard sell you know in this day and age sobriety is what sells it seems and and not just that but kind of really quick um five steps to hold this right um my approach today my philosophy today my theology it takes some real soul searching and that's countercultural. that's sometimes work to just sit in the stillness just, just to turn off all the noise, for example. That's just one example. Sit in the quiet. It's a hard sell. Like some of the folks I drink from now, as opposed to when I started this show, um, guys like William Paul Young, um, Brad Jersak, Peter Rollins. When you infuse motivational social conditioning with those messages it's it's kind of a hard sell today if i were selling what i'm doing here which i'm not but that's what i mean by solving the dissonance you know do i buy that we have this dissonance on how we figure our lives are going to work out in the future this story highlights some of the shallow ways we try and change ourselves. And they do spend a good bit of time making uh, Ben Stiller's character into the villain. <laughs> but it's just funny, his attitude. It's sort of like that that repugnant 
church person, for example. You know, the the I'm that was one of the lines in the in the film. I think it's their the catchphrase for their gym. Um, we are better than you, and we know it, <laughs> right? Like there's there's people like that, and it's easy to if you have good willpower in your life to kind of let that sink in and then have less value for others, uh, for the average Joes out there. Uh, I like to approach this, uh, this, why you're listening to this podcast, uh, hopefully, right, um, from that perspective, all right, the average Joe uh, kind of perspective. What does it look like to get hotter on the inside? <laughs> I don't know. That's probably a bad analogy. But we do. We value that. In our culture, we value good-looking, hot people. Um, I shared uh, some clips from a TED Talk by a model who who talked about some of that, her value just in being dealt genetically this upper hand. And that's something I've also learned doing this show for as many years as I have is some of the best-looking people struggle the most their sex lives, as far as maybe the culture would look at that, is awesome, you know? But what are the long-term side effects of achieving this outward hotness? The relational value of that situation. Not just how we value and view the opposite sex, but also how we value and view another human being. But that's something funny that I thought the movie brought to light as well. Kind of like how the heroine and the villain in this uh, true underdog story, they both have kind of the same love interest, who is played by, ironically, at the time, uh, this was Ben Stiller's wife, Christine Taylor, who also doesn't fit into the stereotypical, you know, hot blonde, you know, gym rat, fitness person right the objective and the subjective come together like the the beautiful woman isn't just a object in a gym she's a character in a story everyone has their own history their own feelings their own person their own life i think that's important to remember sexually even right because the uh Ben Stiller's character doesn't get it, uh, as you'll hear in this clip in a minute. Oh, and way before the Me Too movement, you get to see her interact with these guys. What are you, what are you doing here? How do you uh, know where I live? It's called the Freedom of Information Act, Kate. The hippies finally got something right. <laughs> Just kidding, but not really. Hey, I got some great news. Sit down. What is it? You're fired. I'm what? You're fired. I called up the bank and told them that you were stealing and drinking on the job. And they bought it. Can you believe it? They signed some other Johnny Pencil Pusher to my account. Uh, why would you do that? I'm here to begin my courtship with you, Kate. You fired me so I'd date you? Yeah, huh? Come on, Kate. I know you've been hiding some feelings for me. Oh, yeah. Nausea. And if you don't get off my porch in two seconds, you're going to know exactly how that feels. Woohoo! Like the freaky stuff, huh? That's cool. Well, I can be naughty too. Real freaky naughty. You need some help leaving, White? This doesn't concern you, Lafleur. Not nearly as much as your hair does, that's for sure. But uh, I believe she asked you to leave. I get it. You caught the scent of a lesser stag in your nostrils. Pity. I'll let you have your little moment, Lafleur. Because after this tournament, your gym, your life, and your gal are going to be mine. All mine. To be continued. Ah! Oh! You don't get to touch me. Ever. Okay, Romeo. Let me help you up. Get off of me! Don't you touch me! It is over between us, Kate. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody! 
right after that scene, Ben Stiller snaps his fingers and a guy shows up on a little Vespa scooter <laughs> and away they go. So, yes, that from the film Dodgeball, a true underdog story. And right there at the end, that little snap was him snapping his fingers. And he does that a lot in the film. So there's a there's a little... Uh, Easter egg thing in the DVD and every time he does that in the movie if you hit a button I think it's the enter button or something I can't remember yeah our friend Rob showed us this and each Easter egg is different some of them are funny than funnier than others but be warned about halfway through the movie one of the Easter eggs actually starts the movie over again in in commentary mode, right? Where the director is explaining the film or whatever, right? What he was thinking. Uh, kind of hanging around this wa- party watching this movie, and then all of a sudden it, the movie starts over again in director commentary. And it was really hard to turn that off, too. You go into the DVD, you turn off commentary, and it would still play in commentary. So it was almost like a viral thing. We had to. I can't remember. I think Derek uh, unplugged the DVD player and plugged it back in again or something to get it to play right because uh, this crazy Easter egg thing, whoever the DVD maker was, pranking us, basically. Oh, by the way, also, and a good transition into what I wanted to cover next in this show, is that the the name of the gym isn't just a World Mo, it's a World Mo Goliath gym. And when it comes to not just spirituality and my views of the Bible, but trusting other people in relationships, one of the things I really want to articulate is understanding who is Goliath and who is David in the stories of our lives as we work to build trust with people. Because I think so many of us try and do this alone. We get hurt. Um, We grow up in dysfunctional, not just dysfunctional, but I think that's one of those junk drawer words, you know, when we're young, when life is new to us, our choices Man, our parents make our choices for us because we are at that age and we're given a normal, right? Here's your social norm, Johnny. Some of us, you know, our family life wasn't just dysfunctional. It's like saying that a a car with a flat tire is dysfunctional. You know, you put a new tire on it. Um, Some of us grew up with families that were like blown engine um, uh, massive amounts of damage, downright toxic family situations, some of us, and it skews our ability to even believe in healthy relationships and families and one-on-one relation, face-to-face, eye-to-eye people, relational contact, um, And so, again, who's David? Who's Goliath, right? And, yeah, that's been a big part of season six, is explaining the difference between starting this show, looking at uh, my sexual dysfunction as addiction, right? And treating it much like um, my, my recovery from alcohol and drugs, Uh, I knew it was different. I did talk about that and how it was different, but there's still a lot that I I needed to learn back then when I had started this podcast. But, and again, this is me working through this stuff. Anybody who does a podcast, writes a book, they're working through something. People who go to become therapists and counselors, um, to get into the healing arts, as my friend Seth Taylor would say, it's, it's a desire in us who have suffered greatly to 
put something out in the world as we're working through our own stuff in order to possibly alleviate some suffering for someone else. Um, that's what I've done with the show. Jay Stringer, who I had on the last episode, great book by that guy and the research that he's done. Um, but everyone I've talked to, right, especially if they are a therapist or a counselor, my first question is, what, why, right? What, what went wrong? <laughs> Where's the suffering? What made you go into this field? And you, usually because it's, there's, there's a wound there. I want to learn um, why people are wounded on the inside. These, these wounds that we get that aren't on the body, right? That don't make us bleed on the outside, um, but make us bleed on the inside, these this getting into and starting to understand the difference between addiction and um, intimacy disorder, to use that term, for example, has been a big drive uh, of this show and growing and maturing um, the way I see God and spirituality is different. I'm a much different Christian than I was when I started this podcast. Uh, I think it was about a year into it when I, I discovered Mark Driscoll, for example, and thought that he was awesome. Like, here's a celebrity pastor, says what he wants. He's kind of like me, you know, he's edgy and says a swear word here or there and very much like the dodgeball analogy, right? We're all looking for that guy who's confident and he's got his stuff together and he, he's a leader. And for me and for a lot of people in Seattle, he didn't look like the religious machine. And when Mark led the Mars Hill Church, he seemed like a humble guy, you know. He seemed like your everyday man taking on the persona of an average Joe. And he sits up there leading the people. And, and that makes us feel, made me feel like I was a part of something, like I belonged to something. Like that was the church for me and my faith walk. And listen, this is not another uh, diatribe where I go on about, uh, you know, the church. And, and as one reviewer said, you know, bagging on religion or something. Um, that's not my intent here. I do consider myself a Christ follower, um, a Christian. Kind of want to take that word back because of its baggage. Honestly, in studying this intimacy disorder, um, realizing some of the relational components, not just the aftermath, but the things that fell into place to, to have some of these things happen... And that's something that I've been in the study of sexuality, but not just that, understanding trust. There's that passage in Genesis, you know, Adam and Eve are in the garden before everything goes awry, right? And, and there's that line that they were naked and unashamed. See, that's trust. That's an openness that you can be naked in front of someone you're more apt to want to be with them. Does that make sense? There's an intimacy connection there. There's even a body-mind connection there if we let ourselves go there, right? Without having to cover up, without having to put armor on, just our authentic selves in relationship. I think that's what we're seeking, a lot of us, in relationships with other humans, not just one-on-one, -on -one, but in, in a church, in, in a family, a healthy family. But when it comes to an organization, see, all of our relationships have us either guarded or open, right? And it takes work to be open. It, it takes a lot less work to be guarded and isolated and alone. The church, of all places, needs to be like a healthy family where you can be open and not guarded. Uh, but in just the last few years, you know, some of the biggest Protestant denominational organizations are going down. Willow Creek had its thing, and now um, James McDonald's Church and Harvest. Uh, I wanted to play you this. This is from a 
a pretty successful radio show host in the Chicago area. Uh, he, he knew, actually, uh, met with and, and talked to James McDonald, went to one of his churches, and, and just listened to the man's heart. And yeah, some of those are in his, his words. I think that's important, but also the emotion behind those words. That's one thing I do love about podcasting and radio. You, you, you audio books, right? You, you get to hear the emotion. Uh, it's hard to write that, <laughs> you know? Um, but this guy, you feel it coming off of him. This is Man Cow in Chicago, Illinois, USA. I'm here, bud. Okay, so uh, I want everybody to pray right now. I want everybody listening, everybody in the studio to pray. And I want to pray that the truth comes out at this place called Harvest Church, the mega church. Uh, and I am calling on people to stop donating until they stop the spin. Stop donating. Look, I have a degree in public relations. Until they stop with the spin and the soft selling of this pedophile situation and other controversies. Uh, so I, I want, I, let's just say, I want truth. I want truth in that we, we got one of the candidates coming in running for mayor. So how do we pray to unlock truth? What, what, why do you want to be here, Costa? You're, you're, we're friends with uh, Pastor James McDonald. This guy's one of the biggest preachers on earth. Uh, why do you want to be here? I came in because, uh, Honestly, he's your friend. He's my friend. We've yeah. gotten to know him very well. And what we're seeing now contradicts exactly what he taught us as, as people. It's bizarre, isn't it? Because we were taught to, to act like men, to stand up. And again, if you went to him for your marriage, he wouldn't say, uh, tell a lie and run away. No, exactly. In fact, he is the one who had helped me in my marriage. I yeah. mean, and I, and I, you know, I have a dozen books from this guy. And he's, he's a big-time writer, big-time preacher. Um, so last June, according to uh, an article in World Today, uh, he, he called down in Naples and was looking for a place where he could go. This is last June. June was the same month that someone came forward. It may have been Jim, who we have on the phone right now. Jim, are you the whistleblower that called DCFS? No, man, I'm not the whistleblower. Okay, all right. So someone was demanding an investigation into this alleged pedophile, Paxton Singer, and, uh, and Harvest hit it. So, and then we, we knew we're his friends, but there was, there was flyers that this guy was going on vacation. And then when the story broke, he came out and said, I've sinned and I, I need to go, I need to go think. And I'm going to go to, well, he went on his vacation is what happened. His paid vacation. It's just dishonesty. It, it just lie after lie. And, um, that, that ain't what we're taught. So is it a case of what's good for the goose is not good for the gander? Um, Jim, yeah, Jim, you were security there. You ran security for this, for this, uh, James McDonald. What, what's, what's going on there? So, so here's, here's, uh, on the website, on Harvest's actual website in October, after, uh, the charges were finally made public, not when, not when the, the, the alleged pedophilia took place, but when the charges were actually made public, Harvest went and posted a letter that was supposedly sent. Uh, by uh, Landon McDonald on January 7th, okay, of 2018, which was when they uh, allegedly had called... Another him. guy I like a great deal. Yeah, you know, I like all these guys. Yeah, I, yeah, but but they're doing... Look, it's, and it's... Why? Why are they covering up? Why are they lying? Why are they soft-selling stuff? Why are they doing the spin? And it's because of money. Money! They don't want you to know because they want your money! They failed to mention the se the sexual nature of what happened. They failed to mention the DCFS. Uh, you know, they failed to mention that that was called that they were called. They failed to mention that the law was broken. They failed to mention that the man fired was targeting little boys. They allowed the accused pedophile to continue uh, amongst the victims. My kids go there. My kids went to the camp. I had someone corner me out in front of my radio station. My son was in a cabin with this guy. I've gotten three phone calls from Closer, which is their retirement fund. I've gotten three phone calls of them asking for money, but they won't tell me anything about this guy that shared a cabin with my little boy. Mancow, are you going to do something? Oh. Oh my God! I, 
I've been mesmerized. I've been fooled. I've been bamboozled. I've been lied to. I think parents should get the truth. Uh, I think when half a million dollars turns up missing or shifted around from one account and, and, uh, and what is the sin and what's going on? And when the leader runs at the first sight of uh, trouble, I think as men, we have a right to stand up. We have a right to act like men and say, what's going on here? And I have a bit of tape where he talks about how wolves should be shot Guys that quote the Bible and uh, act like they're goody-goody, but to their core, they're rotten. They should be shot. I simply want want to know, uh, and the parents want to know what happened. Well, there was an issue, but it's covered in love. Goodbye. Hey, what happened to that guy? Well, uh, we fired him because he asked questions, but it's covered in lies. It's, co- no, it's covered in love. Goodbye. What happened to uh, Dallas Jenkins, the, the, one of the top guys? Oh, uh, uh, he got a better offer, so he, he abandoned us. Uh, it's covered in love. Goodbye. Lie after lie after lie. And because I was so publicly associated with this, that's why I'm coming forward. And I've been told I'm going to burn in hell. I shouldn't ask questions. Hey, man, I didn't sign up for a cult. Count me out. And I don't think any more money should be given until this man, James McDonald, stands before us and tells us what happened with the pedophile and where are the millions and why are you $42 million in debt when the land and the buildings were donated. Jim, is it fair what I'm saying? Man, it's all fair what you're saying. All right, and we're the bad guys. The man cow. Andrew, hello. Yes. Good morning, man cow. Hey. I just wanted to talk to you real quickly about Harvest. I've been a member since 2008, and I basically don't know James. I've never had a personal conversation with him, but yet I still feel like he's a friend. When you first started talking about him when you were on the loop, I cringed because one minute you're talking about how you're a member. Okay, hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Listen, I already know where this is going to go. I don't know if you were set up or not. My guess is probably yes. Uh, you don't know him. I do know him. I want to know, should uh, your son's wives, if you have a church, should they get a salary? Should your daughter get a salary for sitting in the T-shirt shop for two hours a week at the tune of sixty dollars to $100,000? Is that what people are giving their money towards? These are things I've heard. Again, I don't know if they're true or not, but this is what, what everybody talks about. And I, I just think the guy should stand up in front of the church and tell it. How about the books being open? How about the fact that there are two sets of books? How about there are two sets of elders? Does that concern you? How about the fact that he has to vote himself off before he can be disciplined? In other words, the XLT, he cannot go anywhere until he votes for it. Imagine that, Andrew, a job that you can't be fired from unless you decide. How about the so-called black budget that is used for nefarious things that we've heard about? Is that true? Are the campuses owned by him and various LLCs? Campuses that were donated and uh, property and, 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 and buildings that were do- donated the camp in Michigan. What about the half a million dollars that was shifted to the deer farm? Oops. You don't have a problem with any of this? Are you giving your money, hardworking money? Uh, is, is that what you donate to church for? I do donate to Harvest, and I will continue. No, is that, and you will continue to? My, my deal is. No, 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 no. You're going to continue to donate, even though there's secret books, and they will not make their books public. James started off as a pastor, not as a businessman, and that church ballooned into a girl. So he, he owns it. He owns it. He started it. I didn't say that. Does he own it? I honestly don't know. Yeah, okay, well, maybe you should. Again, you know, look, people fled. To, they, they went to Jonestown and loved it. So what can I say? How do you, how do you argue with that? How do you argue with that? Shouldn't the books be open for for charity? Absolutely. Why isn't the government demanding that? Why isn't there a re? Is there anything with RICO in this, Paul? 
I mean, isn't there some RICO cases here? Doesn't that sound like... I, I want the books open. Sounds, I, sounds like a scam. I don't know. I donate 10% of my Not salary. Even. I tithe to church and, and other charities Have as you well. stopped? Oh, come on. Yeah. How are you going to decide what church to go to now? Well, they got to have open books. That's the first thing. I want I want a line item. I want to know where everything goes. And this guy went on a planned vacation that I knew about six months ago. And they said, uh, um, well, he's he's very upset about his sin, and he's going to go think. Well, that would sound like... Well, what is it? Yeah. That would sound like something that the IRS would want to investigate. Seriously. I, I mean, I, I look, I, mean, I, wouldn't, would think, I, I wouldn't stick the IRS on anybody, but... Uh, but but this is like tailor-made for the IRS or some enterprise. Well, I, I don't know any of that, but I'm going to keep doing the same thing I always do. Uh, it's sad. And there goes Mancal Mueller feeling duped. That's one universal feeling that happens when uh, a leader like this uh, fails to be uh, authentic, fails to live up to the message he wrote in his books. I own some of that, right? Uh, so I can relate. Paul talking about you know the the thorn in the flesh you know i'm i'm going to rejoice when people criticize me right like i love that language keeping my flaws in the light one translation says and i've i've used that quite a bit on on this show and, and in my life that's just kind of how i live um and the question is, much like dodgeball, right? How are these organizations going to survive a, a fall like this, right? AC3, a, a church that I've had contact with. I, I started the show. This church is helping inspire this podcast. These guys changed my life. But being affiliated with a corrupt organization like Willow Creek, and now there's this investigation that's going to take place. And doing what I've done for these amount of years, um, re reading and talking to authors like Jay Stringer, again, I go into that story analogy or, or not just analogy but th th there's a story going on here there's not just a you know an investigation usually happens in a corporation right we have to find out and and sure if there was money laundered or people were abused yeah that happens in corporations but what how does it feel in a family what does it look like when it happens in a family situation because that's what the church is supposed to be not a corporation a family families have very different stories than corporations do yes some of the same components are there the investigation is going to mess with the sediment right but is it going to be relationally um, motivated or is it purely about law? Looking at things like forgiveness with literal kind of eyes, right? With, with law-based kind of eyes. Well, we know what the Bible says about forgiveness. You just look it up, page 22, you know, like it's some kind of statute. Well, I've got my healed heart forgiveness workbook here in chapter 5, right? Uh, it refers to verse... 28 and all this kind of jargon like like it's removing it from the relational eye-to-eye -eye, face to face psalm 91 is a great example of this where people get super literal on on something that's in scripture um, verse 10 no evil will befall you nor will any plague come near your tent verse 11 he shall give his angels charge concerning you to guard all your ways. Would you read that verse to a woman who just lost her husband um, overseas in a, in a battle, right? A military conflict. How about a couple who just lost their child to cancer? No, that's because that's not compassionate, right? This is a psalm. This is a song 
first of all. It's it's music. This is uh, the psalmist is excited about something that happened and is wrote it down, put it to music. It's it wasn't meant to be literal, but some folks are so addicted to certainty that the this the way this is written and it's it's just right and I believe it. God said it. I believe it, and that does it right. God doesn't want us to like. He's not a cop or a professor that you have to pass some exam. And some of these folks get so uh, what I call majoring in the minors, all right, getting so focused on the literal right, correct translation and what the word says in the law and that they miss the big picture. They miss empathy for fellow humans. To be human is to be in conflict with desires, Right. Different desires pulling on us. And one of those desires is the desire to be certain, to know I've got to know this. I need to have the answers. There's this sense of urgency when we desire that over, as Jesus said, keeping the inside of the cup clean. Right. Matthew 23, um, clean the inside of the cup and, and the outside of the cup tends to take care of itself. As part of that's a different translation, but again, as we judge, so shall we be judged. You know the the certainty that we feel when we someone when we see someone else do wrong mm. comes back on us, man. Hopefully, I'm articulating well why some of these things happen in Christian culture and why. It's no wonder our sexuality is so in the dark or in the closet. And when things get unhealthy or compulsive, it's, you know, we don't tell anybody because that would make us look like we don't know, right? Like we don't have the answers. It's pretty cut and dry, I think, right? You should know, Russ, what to do with your genitals. The Bible's pretty clear. You know, as you judge, so shall you be judged with a heart of redemption, of reconciliation. How about with ourselves? So again, our desires and conflict, rather than be vulnerable and have even a shred of empathy for ourselves, that show I did on sexual needs, the self You know, we got to be honest about this stuff. If we don't, by default, we tend to just shove it down into a neat little dark hole, which, by the way, is where it thrives like mold. Like the great 21st century philosopher and artist Lady Gaga said, making this movie with Bradley Cooper that's about addiction, depression, Uh, mental illness. Yes, I will quote the Apostle Paul and Lady Gaga in the same show. All right. She's an artist. She's another flawed human being like the rest of us. But one thing she said that was really powerful is don't be afraid to take someone else up in your head with you. Don't stay alone in that. That place where we're afraid to let other people in. You know, for me, when I first did that, it was so, it, it was such, it was like a, a prayer, an answer to prayer when, when, when I was able to share that with another human being and they didn't think I was disgusting or disfigured or gross. And I, and I shared my stuff and I let them into that place in my head, in my heart, the clogged gunk in the left ventricle of my soul. That place where my shame lived, that place where I dug a hole and tried to bury it with secrets and lies and isolation. But there was that moment, that beautiful moment where instead of digging another hole, I I shared it with someone. I let someone see it, you know. And then I was reminded of how 90% of the things we worry about never happen. 
because when they did see it, they didn't run. They didn't point and say, ooh, gross. And they didn't reject me, right? I'm telling you, there are people like that in this world, and you can share that stuff with them. But sadly, the odds of finding them in a church are are getting slimmer and slimmer. And a big reason for that, from where I sit, is because a lot of them haven't and aren't dealing with their own pit that they have dug because of their own understanding of religion and hidden behind those frozen gates of sin covering, self-judgment, other judgment, and certainty. And unless you've experienced it, see, experience is different than belief. And sadly, for a lot of religious people, belief can simply be a shallow nicely polished, shiny surrogate blocking our ability to actually have life experience, right? Experiences. You feel that in your bones where a belief is more in your left brain. Ever heard somebody say, you just got to be there. (laughs) You had to be there to experience it. See, experiences are tangible. We're not all beliefs are are tangible. When we want to believe something, we need to trust. And that's the definition of faith. I want to have faith in church and spiritual communities. See, this is where most Christians don't understand forgiveness, how to define it even. Can you forgive someone that you don't trust, for example? Yes. Yes, you can. You can have a heart that wants good for the other person. That's forgiveness. You can have an open hand to even reconcile while you don't trust the other. But you're open to making amends on their part. See, this is experiencing human relationships in spades, man. You feel it. It's scary. It's... Man, adrenaline sports is nothing on revealing secrets. Asking for forgiveness and actually making amends. Paul Young wrote about that in The Shack, right? He says, yeah, forgiveness isn't just trusting the other person, the offending party again. Um, forgiveness is, is releasing your hands from their throat, Um, But it isn't. But it doesn't mean you don't seek justice, Um, justice, making amends on the other party's part. This is something Mark Driscoll never did. Um, This is something that Bill Hybels is not doing. You know, the jury's out on James McDonald. It sounds like he's left the country and, you know, is living like a someone who's defrauded the government or something, which he probably has. that's not manning up, or so to speak, right? Pulling the chest hairs up on a guy, right? Your responsibility. But again, and Mark Driscoll used to talk like that too. Like, be the man. You know, he used to encourage us guys to, you're going to be the man and get out there and work hard and, and be the man for your family. And, and Mark Driscoll, another guy who just got up and left, you know, I'm not going to make amends. I'm not going to try and repair the relationships. Just going to leave. Um, that's not being a freaking man, all right? Being a man means you own your shit. You own the stuff that happened. You don't run and hide. And the sickness in the American body is that we believe in organizations more than we believe in put our trust in God and, and in other people. Um, when organizations disappoint there's damage control you know they're either going to react like a loving family or they're going to react like a like an institution um systemic silence it's actually a political strategy just say nothing be quiet hunker down behind the icy gates of secrets and hope it all goes away again this is not the reaction of loving people that belong to a church, right? 
That's not the bride of Christ. That's not the body. You think about those metaphors, right? What was trying to be communicated? The, the body, the bride. These are experienced, relational word pictures. Systems and institutions can't love people. Only people can do that. And if you're protecting the system, then then for me, in the work I've done here, there's 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 lack of trust there. It's hard to trust you. When you don't choose to make amends as an organization. See, again, this is another thing about uh, purity and, and some of these approaches to uh, kicking pornography, for example. The churches aren't doing it, all right? They're not living in the light. They call sins and they, you know, confirmation bias and they get it, they get the energy off of themselves and put it out there on other people. Let's judge them. Don't look at me. James McDonald is a great example. Not only did he himself dig great big holes and pits to bury his stuff in, he rallied a whole genre of Christianity around him and taught them how to do it too. And that caller on the Man Cow Show was a good example of that. Here's someone who it doesn't even matter whether, you know, the, the corporation could just do whatever it wants. It can hurt people. It can abuse people. It can hide pedophiles even. I'm still going to give it my money. As we do to others, we do to ourselves. That's in the Bible, all right? The good news is, the conflict resolution gospel, according to Russ Shaw. Um, the true underdog story, according to myself, is when relationships get reconciled. Cause like what healthy families do. Healthy families are full of flawed humans. When trust is broken, there's opportunity there. There's opportunity for reconciliation for restoration. I heard a New Testament scholar, uh, Baxter Kruger, who's written some books, um, Dallas Seminary. He talked about language and had me thinking about how words change how we feel. They impact relationships. And it's easy for people who even care about each other to have their beliefs right cross uh, because we're, things get lost in translation. He said that the word judge and judgment in Greek actually has 10 different words. All right. In English, we just have judge and judgment, kind of like love, right? I love my wife. I love burritos. And again, in the English, <laughs> it has its issues. But judgment in the Greek, um, there's 10 different definitions, and nine of them have to do with restoration reconciliation, redemption. Um, one of them is punitive. Only one is punitive. And that's the one most used by the Pharisees. Again, who are trying to keep their religious organization intact by valuing things like the Sabbath ceremonial washes, right? Uh, rituals and doctrine more than people. Um, certainty addiction. That's another one. I need to be certain. I need to feel certain. And that's something I want to kind of end this show on is realizing that the story is unfolding. God is in control, right? As a man of faith, I don't think Jesus is up there in heaven going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with Willow Creek or AC3 or, uh, you know, the church. I think that what's being exposed is that what we think is church really isn't church. It's it's just corporations and entities and um, cult of personality. When it comes to sexuality, there's these words, you know, like penetration. Um, and it's funny that this, this happens on a physical level, right? Um, being inside someone, um, wanting to be... Uh, consumed by the other. Uh, I want you to want me. There's something in that. There's connection. There's relationship. I did some study on groupthink uh, for the other show, Punk Theology, and as I try and tie all this together, 
um, dodgeball, uh, large church organizations uh, failing in integrity and your genitals, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sexual um, intimacy disorder, right? This is intimacy disorder on a grand scale what's going on in the church right now. Uh, the definition of groupthink, and, and this is really interesting. Check this out. Um, the practice of thinking or making decisions as a group in a way that discourages creativity or individual responsibility. Marion Webster says it this way, a pattern of thought characterized by self deception, forced manufacture of consent and conformity to the group values and ethics. Um, I would probably add over oneself, right? I guess that's the beginning of it. A pattern of thought characterized by self-deception. And this is probably my favorite uh, definition. This is from Wikipedia. Uh, I know, not the most credible source, but check this out. Listen to this. Uh, groupthink is a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony or conformity in the group results in an irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcome. Group members try to minimize conflict and reach a consensus decision without critical evaluation or alternative viewpoints by actively suppressing dissenting viewpoints and by isolating themselves from the outside influences. Uh, Grouplink requires individuals to avoid raising controversial issues or alternative solutions, and there is a loss of individual creativity, uniqueness, and independent thinking. The dysfunctional group dynamics of the in-group produces an illusion of invulnerability, an inflated certainty that the right decision has been made. Thus, the in-group significantly overrates its own abilities in decision-making and significantly underrates the abilities of its opponents, the out-group. Furthermore, Groupthink can produce dehumanizing actions against the outgroup. Um, and then it goes on to explain some of the behavior that happens in cults, for example, um, that's happened in war, uh, that this group won't agree with us, we can't resolve this conflict, we kill them. That's been kind of human history, right? And... Again, this is why I'm hopeful as a Christian and a Christ follower, our loving Father in heaven. Um, that's why I also am not a penal substitutionary atonement guy anymore. I, I realize a, a more orthodox understanding of atonement and the cross, that God is not up there punishing and hurting Jesus for, for what you did, you know, because you jerked off yesterday or something like that. No, God is a loving father who in the midst of the mess that we create is working with us in it for, for good, for reconciliation, for recovery. And sometimes, yes, in our kicking and screaming, restoration a church that's like a healthy family with a father like that that doesn't sit on some egocentric throne and and try and squelch other people's voices because he he right he's got to pay the bills or still sell his books or something um no a, a father of a healthy family is is there is there dysfunction in this family yes okay there's dysfunction in every family People will think I'm talking about perfection. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about God being love. And part of that love is the feeling of belonging. That we actually belong. Even and especially in the conflict. That we're not alone. That the love in that room means God is in the room. And can make something really beautiful. I mean, if it's shit... That yes, there is repulsive stink, but something really beautiful can grow 
life-giving out of it. When we value the relationships, right, in a family, when we value each other and those relationships eye-to-eye, face-to-face, groupthink goes away. And these things that have happened with these big churches don't happen. When we can be intimate without being afraid of our spouse, of our boss, heck, of of one of your teenagers, right? Some of you guys, I can relate. The two-year-old, man, um, some of this is just being right, praying and and following Christ and and realizing that it's life isn't so bad. We can be grateful for the things we have, for the people around us, and and we can work to be that loving father. And and I'm I'm doing the best I can. All right, I'm no uh, great example of that in my life, but. Today, I can sleep at night and I don't have secrets or skeletons bouncing out of the closet. Um, and getting to this place is something I had to painfully experience. And that's in every story, isn't it? The protagonist has to go through something to learn something, to achieve something, to get some place. But again, if we could think of it more as a story than a schematic, every day is is a new page. Every month could be a chapter. How is the story going to end? I don't know. I don't know. Um, But I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to keep working to love people because my ego doesn't tend to want to do that, right? I get hungry, hangry, right? Tired. Um, and sometimes it's work for me to hang out with my friends, to to open myself up, be vulnerable amongst my friends, um, my, my a spiritual community, right? Uh, but I know that doing those things helps me be more awake and alert and alive. And I, I love you guys. I mean that sincerely. going to leave the show there. Uh, and it's kind of a question, isn't it? How do we live with that fatherly responsibility for some of you men um, and for some of you ladies? Help us. <laughs> I don't know, man. Help us with the relational stuff. Because some of us, man, we, it's not it's second nature, right? It's not It's not easy. Pray for us. Until next time, bye. I podcast is a listener supported production. Your greatly appreciated financial assistance in keeping the ASI podcast up and running is the reason it has been in existence this long. But Russ needs more accomplices in delivering this underground message to the masses. You can give one time or be a monthly accomplice to this here pirate radio program. You can do that as a co producer. Go to ASI247.org to learn more. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe.